Figured I'd start with the fan. Why not? I typically only do it for the for our drag race episodes, but I've started implementing it in other episodes, and I it's it's a lovely way to start. <laughs> Welcome to the cup, the currently unnamed podcast where we put the T in reality, and we are the first to quench your thirst. I'm Logan Murphy, just a gay. Here I have water as as I typically do because I live in Arizona, and it's currently still 96 Fahrenheit, which I think is oh god. Somewhere in the 30s Celsius, somewhere. I'm getting my Celsius conversions pretty, pretty good. <laughs> but I also have just an energy drink and a Starbucks cup because it's a late recording for me and an early recording for these two fabulous, fabulous humans. Um, so, yeah. I'm Stark. I am your resident uh, German time zone representing guy not from Germany. I will go with that. Um, I have a cup and uh, also an energy drink, so keeping myself up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and yes, we Santuri, Survivor South Africa Season 8. I'm not always a good morning person, but representing us here with my not-so-exciting cup, I'll have a better one next time, with decaf, decaf coffee. That's one survivor okay. thing I picked up. I stopped drinking oh. caffeine before going on the island. So and you I, still don't? Mm, I just drink decaf. Same difference. Wow. Um, I'm, yeah. Thanks, Survivor. <laughs> Truly thanks, Survivor. Uh, Santony, I'm so happy to have you here with us to talk about Return of the Outcasts. And obviously, Stark, I'm very happy to have you here as well. Um, <laughs> it's just you haven't been on TV yet. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I was on my local news once. All right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> And we are here diving into episodes three and four, and we'll probably talk a little bit about episodes one and two of Survivor South Africa, season nine, Return of the Outcasts, where Santini knows a lot of people here. <laughs> it's it's quite a different, yeah, I mean, I was on the receiving end of, of, of like, reviews and podcasts, and it's it's a bit different being on the other side, and especially knowing I mean, knowing all of those people, never met a few personally, but we are very small community, so mm -hmm. I hope I don't get in trouble. We'll make sure that everything we say is positive but constructive. Good. That's that's how that's how we are. We may spill the tea, but it's always positive and constructive in every possible way that we can. But how are we liking the start of the season so far? I am slowly but surely learning uh everybody involved so uh mm -hmm. season was the only uh season of rather south africa that i've watched uh i'm gonna i need to start watching uh the older seasons because i'm not watching a uh, unspecified big brother season currently um Same. so Same. Uh, i've got i've got a lot more time um but I was, I definitely had thoughts uh, going into the first two episodes when Chappie was blindsided. Um, and so, and then, yeah, these these next two episodes just, like, like elevated and just, like, took it a step further and, like, got, like, more, more drama exciting and drama filled and, yeah. All the things. <laughs> so, what about you? Oh, I love the location. It's yes. so beautiful. It looks quite rugged. 
obviously the the cinema i mean the camera work everything is just amazing and Absolutely. i mean this costs hitting the ground running oh, oh wow. are they <laughs> oh are they <laughs> oh as someone who's seen all of the seasons of survivor south africa when this cast dropped we did our cast assessment immediately and i was like oh my god <laughs> this is like this is like a hand-picked cast for like all of my favorite people from the past seasons I would have liked to see a certain person who is currently in this podcast there as well. But regardless, um, this this cast, every elimination is going to hurt in one way or another, just because I want to see all of these people succeed again. <laughs> um, Maru did such a good job casting this season, getting just the perfect combination of people to be a part of this. And it's... Uh, this first week was a lot. <laughs> I literally was so obsessed because I mean it's also changed by having one one episode a day for four days, but I'm loving it. Like because it's, it's at six o'clock and out on mm -hmm. our side, and I'm like, whoa, yay! Sitting ready. I'm kind of a routine person, so I like mm -hmm. that. I don't know, Logan. You look like you don't agree. <laughs> uh, so okay, so here's my difficulty with it. As a viewer and as a fan, I'm so happy to have Survivor South Africa four days a week. As a podcaster, <laughs> like we're if if we didn't get this across, we're currently filming where it is. It is 8 p.m. for me, and it is 5 a.m. for both Sansony and Stark. And so it's I love it, but it also. I honestly, and this is just for me, I wish this season had either aired two months ago or two months from now. Because right now it's just a really, really busy season for like our podcast doing a lot of things. And like Stark mentioned, we're not watching unspecified Big Brother season. Um, but it, so that honestly gave us a lot of time. <laughs> it freed up a lot of our schedule. So it's made, it's made, Watching and podcasting about this, a lot of fun. And South Africa is my favorite Survivor franchise. I've said it once and I'll say it a million times. Just every single aspect of it feels like Survivor fans are producing this. And that's what I love the most. Survivor fans are producing. Survivor fans are behind the cameras. Survivor fans are playing. And it's it, it just makes the entire experience more enjoyable for me. And that's another reason why when we started this podcast, I wanted South Africa to be one of the mainstays that we do because, and international survivor as a whole, because Australian survivor, so good. And I want people to recognize that US survivor is great, don't get me wrong, but the international versions are doing just as much, if not more with what they're doing. So yeah, as a fan, so happy four days a week. As a podcaster, it's yeah. a little stressful. I'm going to be honest, it's a little stressful. Um, when Logan but, originally like, messaged me and was like, hey, we're doing recordings on Wednesday and Sundays, I was confused and I said, like, it's only on Mondays, though, right? And his response was, no, honey, it is four days a week. No, no, honey, it's four days a week. And that, I mean, that's kind of mimicking the way that Australian Survivor does it, because they do, th their last yep. season, they did three days a week. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it. it. I also love, and I saw this from Dino, so I'm going to shout out Dino, as I will do throughout this podcast, because 
Dino is very prevalent, um, where I didn't realize that the season is airing over 39 days. Oh, I didn't know that either. So it's, four, cool. it's four days a week, six weeks, meaning that the finale will be 39 days from the premiere. And now that I know that, I'm a big fan of that. It's actually like clever. Yeah. It's very, like it's very clever. I was like, I see oh. y'all. I see it. I see, yes. I, CBS yes. could never. CBS could never. <laughs> but... <laughs> Let's let's do a brief little overview of the first two episodes and y'all's thoughts because neither one of you were on for our episode one and two recap. Go check that out with Lana and Ashley. It was a fabulous time. But Trappies gets blindsided in the first vote of the season, and, and I'm sad. Yeah, the the vote was was surprising to me just on the like level of like Trappies is like clearly like a recent player, like everybody kind of watched what Chappies did. Um, I feel like Chappies is one of those like enemies you know versus like enemies you don't know kind of like category, like where you know pretty much where he where he stands and like kind of what he's gonna do, like what his gameplay is like. I feel like he is a very good asset in challenges. And then I was expecting Chappies to be somebody that was kind of like a late pre-merge like boot of like okay the merge is coming like like let's get Chappies out of here so that he can't win a bunch of like individual immunity challenges um yeah. and uh, they were just they had a lot of forethought to get rid of him the very first tribal instead of later yeah but do, do you think if he didn't go and look for an idol with Steffi um things would have would have ended differently for him I, I do. I do. I, I don't think it would have put uh, like as much of a target on his back as early on, um, no. even though people did know kind of like what his gameplay was like. Um, but I, I do think, I don't think that that helped uh, no, anything. I mean, idols, finding idols or looking for them is probably one of the worst things. I, I'm not a big idol fan. But, I um, you know, so I think that... It's just such a pity because if he just waited, like, waited like one more night, literally one more day, <laughs> one more day, and because his name wasn't really on the chopping block, he was keeping his like nice, like, yo, what is was it called behind the scenes, like under the radar, under the radar is the word. Um, so yo, that's such a pity, man. But the people are upset. Love yeah, I. I think it would have been more of a split vote where we would have seen votes on three or four people, maybe. Mm. And we maybe would have seen four votes take out Shane, honestly, mm. in that mm. scenario. I think Choppies may have gotten a few votes. I think Shane may have been able to convince more people to, to maybe put votes on Dante. Maybe one of the ladies would have gotten a thrown vote. Not mm, really I sure. I think, it's, I think he also wasn't really aided by the fact that he's the only person from Immunity Island on the Masu tribe. Oh, tribe. Whereas yeah. everybody else from your season is on the pre-merge tribe. Yeah, and so I think, yeah. He was already, like, all the cards were stacked against him already. Not all, yeah. but mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of the numbers. Yeah. 
It, it is interesting, though, to see the two people who were the lone representatives on their tribe, one being Chappies, who was then voted out first, the other being Tajan, who has seemingly kind of blended his way into the minority group as we see it now after these four episodes. Um, I'm really fascinated by the way that Tejan has kind of fully flown under the radar, having it's been, what, 12 years since he's played in Maldives? Um, I, I find his game so interesting, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays in the coming weeks. Um, Spoiler, Tijan doesn't get eliminated this week. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the formation of that alliance in episode one and then it kind of crumbling a little bit and then we'll talk about kind of the resurgence of it through these two episodes was an interesting way to start the season that I didn't necessarily think would happen. Um, but that's also the risk you have, uh, not necessarily risk, but the opportunity you have when there are so many clear and unclear duos on the same tribe. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I would have really liked, well, and, and so I can only really speak for Immunity Idol, or Immunity Island, but like more like rivalries within the same season. Um, like, I, like I think... Uh, Tony and PK are a great example of like very close allies, but on the other tribe, they also have like somebody who's very close with them. Like the, the three tattoos, the, the the matching tattoos is something that's like talked about. Um, and it, so I think like instead of like a PK or a Tony, like whoever played against that person, like being on the same tribe, I think would have been like added a really interesting dynamic where it's like they played from the same season. Like we know what happened on the season. Maybe we don't know what happened like after the season. Like, are they friends? Do they still hold those resentments? Like, and, and see uh -huh. those as opposed to like, okay, well, these people are clearly like a duo because they played together and they didn't have a lot of like conflicting gameplay. Knowing that season, though, and I, Santi, I don't know if you'll agree, um, the people that were the direct adversaries of PK and Tony were the final two. <laughs> hmm. And so it, the only person that comes to mind as, like, because as, as, I do completely agree with you. I think that would be lovely. No, it's just the, pair, the pairs that they chose, you can't really do that with. Because their adversaries, in both cases, honestly, with Marilyn Dante and with PK and Tony, their adversaries ended up being in the final two. Because mm. um, the only person I can think of from Philippines specifically is maybe Katinka, is the one person that comes to mind. But even then, like, I don't necessarily see Katinka as an adversary, more mm. so as part of the majority that just got taken out later in the game. But from the other side, you can also look at it as like what I'm noticing, and I don't know if you guys picked it up, because Dante and Meryl are actually quite close. Yes. Well, they became quite close after their season two, but now you, I'm seeing a bit of tension there. Like so, having couples or people that that actually get along well is sometimes worse to play with because you're going to have to either betray them or not tell them everything. Like I sometimes think that is a, like a a more difficult situation to be in. Yes, you've got the numbers and you can work together, but I don't know till where, where does that end? I don't know if, if that makes sense. 
So if yeah. you were on if you were on this season, would mm-hmm. you have been excited to see Chappies or would you have been like, oh no, like now I have to figure out how to incorporate his gameplay into my gameplay? Yes, it felt a bit this like that when we were playing. When you have a, a someone that you want to stay loyal to, it's it's so hard. Yeah. Um, to then think for that person or with that person in mind or what. So I think that's why being a free agent in a way is sometimes a good thing because you you only look out for you and then, you know, I, I would, I mean, obviously I would be happy because he will help me swim again. After, hopefully I would have learned to swim properly by then. Yeah. But I think it would be like, ah, oh, damn it, shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's an, it would have been. It's an automatic target on your back. People know, regardless of whether you are actually close outside of the game. People know, and pe- these people have watched these seasons to the point where, like, Choppy's first comment to Dante is, "I'm such a big fan of you and yeah. the way you played." And so, like, immediately. Um, you see Shane and Marion. Oh, that's a duo. That's a target. You see Tony and PK. Oop, immediately, that's a target. You see um, Marilyn Dante. Oop, that's immediately a target. And I did, I did appreciate for their gameplays. Um, at least um, Shane and Marion and um, Marilyn Dante kind of sticking together, and then Steffi and Chappie's becoming this duo because they're so close outside of the game. Um, I liked seeing that together. Um, it would have been interesting had they tried to pull PK and Tony into that fold and just said, we're doing all duos, whatever. We'll leave out Steffi and Choppies and Palesa and Tejan. And like, that's an easy thing. I think that maybe would have been a better way to go about it potentially, but also with we'll see what happens in these episodes i don't know how long that would have lasted whereas i see the core of the breakfast club potentially sticking together at least through pre-merge unless something wild happens which given what's already happened with this season i could see that happening (laughs) definitely but um, I also want to say uh, from the first two episodes and into these two episodes, I do really appreciate that Teresa is becoming the narrator of the season again, <laughs> because the way that I look at Immunity Island specifically is that Teresa was kind of the pre-merge narrator until she got eliminated. And then Santi, you took over and you were kind of the confessional narrator. Choppies was in there as well. Nicole had her moments as well. Mm. But I, I appreciate that not only Teresa is giving in the confessionals the same way she did on Immunity Island, but that they're highlighting her again because I just love her. I just really do. <laughs> but And she, she really deserved a second chance. She was really given a bit of a raw deal. Uh, a story could have been so much different. Um, if a few things didn't happen, but I mean, it's a case for everyone, but I'm very happy for her that she, she's back, um, because she really, she is someone that I would wanted, would have wanted to have a second chance. Yeah. And, and if, kind of the same with Pinty too. <laughs> I was going to say all four of the people from your season, I feel like definitely deserved a second shot in one way or another. I want to ask you though, if there was a fifth spot for an Immunity Island contestant on either tribe, mm-hmm. who else would you have wanted to see back? 
Well, my I've always been a big Carla fan, and we, it's now common knowledge that she has she declined to go back. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Oh yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, she was asked and she declined. Oh. Um, but she explains it very nicely on her Instagram. I would have loved to see Carla. Someone like uh, okay, let's just think. Are we thinking someone that I want to have on screen, or someone that uh, deserves a second chance? You know what? I've got to answer, Paul. I was gonna say. I was gonna say both. Sure. Paul, I love Paul. Yeah. Paul, I mean, potentially would have made some of the best TV sure. we would have ever seen, and he, yeah, I, I would have loved to see Paul again. Sure. And you guys. If there was a first spot. I was I was a big NSU fan. I really was. I I really enjoyed watching NSU. Also Warda. Um but those those would be kind of uh, yeah. lean towards enjoy watching. Be, I would also be keen on Warda. I think Warda would have been yeah. my very good team and she would have taken on those those like very strong personalities mm -hmm. um, in that tribe. And that would have been fireworks. Yeah, I my immediate thought was like I have like a grouping and you would obviously be in that mix, of course. But I think my immediate answer, if it's not you, would be Anesu. Um she that was the first name that came to my mind. Um I I think otherwise, like the people that were chosen were kind of the other people that I would have liked to see come back immediately. Someone like Warda, I would love to see, like, if they do another returner season, oh. or maybe it's half returners, half newbies. I think maybe that's a situation where I could see Warda maybe making it a little bit further if there's, like, a swap getting in with newbies and sort of, like, being that, like, returner figure mm -hmm. that newbies go to for advice and knowledge and, like, protection and all that kind of stuff. Um... And also um, Anela, but he was not eligible for this season. So, um, oh, really? Would you want Anela? Would you want to see Anela back? That absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I, I loved his gameplay. Yes, he played very well. It's, it's, it's just you know, it's interesting. His, I, I've noticed as well within the Survivor discourse that like his gameplay does often get kind of mellowed out, I guess, for lack of a better term, in favor of obviously Nicole being the winner. But yeah. I I thought the game that Anela played was masterful, and I, I would love to see him back for like a redemption, another redemption sort of situation. Oh, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess we should probably dive into yeah. the episodes. That might be a good idea. Uh, <laughs> but we start this episode, um, we come back to Masu after the blind side of Chappies, and we get two firsts, one being that Steffi has never been on the wrong side of the vote. And conversely, Palesa is in the majority for the first time. There were a lot of firsts across these two episodes as far as voting and all of that is concerned. But um, we get this, we get a conversation. Um, Palesa is talking to PK, obviously same season, very close. Um, she confides in PK, telling him that she feels a little bit better with Dante in the game than potentially with Meryl and Marianne, 
which is interesting. See, it's been very interesting as someone who had, who loved Palesa on her first season, seeing her navigate this kind of almost familiar situation that she's in, again, being in the minority of the tribe at an early stage. Um, whether she knew that or not at this point is another thing. She was in the majority for the first vote, but seeing her navigate this has been really interesting where we then conversely see the breakfast club talking and um, they're, t they're talking about how they have to stick together. They need to take out this Mindanao alliance that is clearly very strong based on ink that is on their bodies permanently, um, <laughs> which is yeah. a completely fair way to go about everything. Um, I don't know, where do we, where do we see the, the, the lines of this tribe potentially blurring? Like, do we see the Breakfast Club breaking up anytime soon? Do we see anyone from that little minority breaking through? What do we think? Honestly, like, so when the Breakfast Club was first formed, I was like, okay, this seems like, like a pretty solid, like, group of six. And then Chappies was immediately cut. So I was like, oh, okay. So maybe this maybe this alliance that I was seeing is like like having these like connections and like working together just to move further into the game isn't as stable. Um, I think that it I mean it was what? It was six people and now it's supposed to be is it seven? Five. Oh, is it, it's just the five. Yeah, so it would be so, it would be everyone minus Chappies from the original. Yeah, so I, I do think that that maybe a couple people potentially splinter off, maybe a pair, then it becomes a three. Maybe um, a trio of women, perhaps. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, Sadie, what about you? What do you think about the what do you think about the Breakfast Club as a whole? I don't know. When it comes to alliances, I think none, they can have the coolest names, whatever. No, no alliances don't last. A big, if the fairy tales never last. So, I don't know. I love Dante. I love Meryl. Um, but I'm going to go on about my Gemini trip. And <laughs> I love Gemini. You guys know I'm from yeah. my, my online history. No, yeah. I, I just think, I mean, it, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. But Alliance is this early. I don't see it going all the way. Especially in South Africa, the early alliances tend to not go not go very far. You see it sometimes in US and a lot of times in Australia, actually, which is really interesting. But yeah, South Af big alliances in South Africa don't, don't work, typically. But I think what, what happens is in the beginning, everything is a bit kumbaya and people are still on their base behavior. And then after a while, those people just start to irritate the shit out of each other. And yeah. then they're like, oh, I committed too early, you know. Well, and speaking then, I mean, of... God, I, I was, I was, I was going to say, like, in, jumping ahead to the, to the most recent episode, uh, somebody said, like, I'm, I'm excited to get to Tribal so that I can actually feel like I'm starting to play this game. So, mm. yeah. So, yeah, because we get to, speaking of irritating other people, we move over to Yontau, where things do seem, are seemingly fairly kumbaya. I think Phil is the one to bring up that there's kind of this kumbaya, minus the, the evident discord between Tanya and Pinty. And this is the start of the Tanya versus Pinty 
narrative that only lasts two episodes. Um, but Tanya says in confessional that Pinty isn't playing the kind of game she likes. Um, I mean, Stark, you I, I you have not watched uh, Island of Secrets, presumably. So, I Tanya is Tanya is an enigma. We'll just say that. Um, and I understand exactly what she's saying. <laughs> she says that Pinty is not playing the kind of game she likes. Um, <laughs> but I, it leads into the first of the squabbles, specifically over the rice situation. Pinty, according to Tanya, is eating too much rice. She brings it up. Pinty kind of defends herself. We'll talk about it more, but neither one of them really look good coming out of this situation, I'll just be honest. Um, but this is where we see the start of the narrative happening. <laughs> as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Pinty's taking a page of Chappie's book. Because it, was, it wasn't it a Chappie's that did that like almost exact same thing. Pinty's diner is open. Yeah. <laughs> Chappie's, left, Chappie's threw the keys over to the Onto tribe when he got blindsided in episode two. Pinty's Diner is open. Um but yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely an interesting situation. Um and then we go to a moment with Teresa. Where Teresa is, uh, so she's talking with Tanya and Killarney, and she obviously is aware of the symbols and what that probably means in Idol, and she's just trying to stall time so that she can find the Idol herself. So what does she do? She tells the ladies that Tevin has found the Idol. And in this moment, I was like, Teresa, no. Oh, me too. <laughs> Teresa, no, because you're trying to build this relationship with Tevin so you can blindside him later. No. And then it just spreads like wildfire. I think if it had been anyone other than Tanya in that situation, I think maybe that would have stayed with those people. I don't really? Think so. No, you think Kalani would have said something regardless? Please, people go into information file. People go and keep a secret on Survivor. But, um, I honestly, yeah, yeah that, that was so. I, I haven't actually ever seen something that shocked me. Okay, like someone doing, like, I don't even know how you that instantly think up a lie so quickly and a lie that can backfire so badly on you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just actually I just couldn't but I mean I get why she did it and she did admit it she, she made a, a, a like a boo-boo there yeah but I just couldn't believe my eyes <laughs> really well, I think that she walked point. out relatively unscathed yes. from that whole thing I was gonna say because of Tanya versus Pinty I think honestly I think I also think Tevin is the kind of person that's going to be in the back of his mind, but obviously he doesn't, he isn't aware. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but he isn't aware that Teresa was the one that started that. So it's whether Killarney will eventually tell him that it was Teresa and not Tanya, we will see, but we'll, we'll see. 
Um, <laughs> and, and and so we talked. You talked about like I haven't watched like Tanya's season. Like mm-hmm. Tanya saying, like Tanya kind of killing the whole thing of like, well, that's like that was what I thought. Like like mm-hmm. like and kind of taking ownership of like kind of starting the rumor. I was like, oh, that's like kind of like an interesting game move of like just putting yourself out there first of all in front of somebody else who actually started it when you could have just stayed quiet um so like that game in game decision like what i thought was admirable not necessarily smart but i thought that it was like admiral for her to kind of like just take the blame and be like i apologize like that's on me like i i take ownership like let's just move forward but i would uh then I've maybe wanted her, uh, I would want a scene where she tells Teresa that she did that. So that yeah. she gets that fiver then like in the pocket. Because maybe if she went to, you know, Teresa, she, Teresa would know she owes her one. Because yeah. then if you're going to be honorable, admirable and survive, you must get something out of it. You know? Yeah, because I guess, I guess we could skip forward to that part because it, I mean, it happens after the immunity, but it, it kind of ends the on-tell situation. So... Tanya does take credit for this, but Teresa is presumably like not at camp when this happens. She's like off watching from a distance. I wasn't because we I see think she's her. putting a bathing costume on. I think so too. Mm. And so she wasn't like there, but then she comes back, and when she comes back, everybody's just looking for this idol out in the open. Um <laughs> And eventually, Seamus finds it, which uh, the whole tribe agrees. Seamus can have it, which I did appreciate, because then he wouldn't be the first one voted out again from his tribe. Mm-hmm. He al- he already made it further than he did the first time, so I'm happy for him in that regard. But I I don't know. I does I and I don't know. Does Teresa know? Was she watching? Does she know that Tanya took? The, took the blame for her. I don't. I, I, I would. Think be, so. I would. I would not be. Well, so I would not be surprised if like she finds that out later. Um, mm-hmm. But because of the way things play out over the next couple episodes, just mm-hmm. play into the narrative. You don't have yeah. like you don't have time to fit it into the story. So like I understand why it wasn't necessarily included, but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if she knew. Mm. I hope she does. Because imagine if she, imagine if she's just not aware and she thinks that Tevin knows that she's the one that started this. Like, I I hope she knows. That's all I'm gonna honestly, say. Honestly, I think it would be very fun to watch her like constantly thinking about Tevin coming after her the entire season, and Tevin be like, "I'm nothing against Risa because it was Tanya." Like that would just be hilarious to me. Of like a one sided like paranoia, but I don't want to see it because I want to see Teresa succeed. I, <laughs> I, know, I would love to see a blow up between Tevin and Teresa. Sorry. I would love to see. Because, I mean, yes, yeah, see, if you throw someone under, if you tell people someone as an idol, like for me, that's one of the, like, if they don't, yeah. and you do tell them that, like, that's a bit, that's hardcore survivor moves there. Yeah. So I would love to see the repercussion of it. Like, I'm just mm. here for the drama. Sure. Yeah, I mean, me, me also being for the chaos, sure, I'd like to see it, but I, if that happens, I want to see Teresa come out on the positive end. Oh, okay, yes. Say yes, that. that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we go to this immunity challenge, and it's four people on this 
Um, what is what is the what is the machine called? It's a the wench. A wench, I think. Something like that. The weirdest contraption I've ever seen used. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very fascinated by the mechanics of this wench because it seemed like you had to crank it one way to get the rope to be released, but then you had to crank it basically the exact same motion, but in a different way to like reel it back. Yeah. And like, uh, we've seen this challenge in a different way done, I think on US and Australian Survivor, but where it's pull it. where it's just more of like, it's just um, a handle. A crank. And a crank, that's the correct term, thank you. Um, you have a crank and you crank it and then you reverse crank it and then it pulls you back. This was a wild contraption for me. Um, but regardless, five people have to go out, grab a buoy, come back, and then you have to throw the balls onto the ledge. It's a it's a fairly standard survivor challenge. Um, and Yontao was doing a great job, and Masu was not. <laughs> you could probably write a 10-page paper on the sociological situation that happens with Masu specifically in this challenge, because... You see everybody yelling, and people aren't understanding how to move the crank. And then Meryl, in I think the first time I've ever seen Meryl yell on Survivor, is just like, what are you all doing? <laughs> like, screaming at the people on this crank. And I was just like, I didn't know this side of Meryl existed, but I'm happy I know it now. <laughs> I love that moment. I loved seeing that photo of Meryl. <laughs> and they all looked so funny. <laughs> I, wild. Yeah, sit, sitting watching the challenge, I was like, it, it's really, like, yeah, there were a bunch of people talking, like, there was arguing, like, like not communicating well. But I don't think that there was, like, this challenge, like, spoiler, Yanto wins. Like, there, there was no, like, individual like component individual person that i think could take responsibility for that blame like in other challenges no. you might see like one person like really like just like do terribly like this yeah. whole thing was a mess yeah it is just meanwhile yontel is just over there you know we're cranking we're pulling like, people like, back having issues you guys are having trouble like we're lapping them it's cool <laughs> Literally. I really appreciate as well, and this is just overarching for this first week, and I hope moving forward, I appreciate how much heart and dedication that Yontao is showing as pre-mergers. Not that Masu isn't, but again, these are the these are the pre-mergers. They've they talk about it at Tribal spoiler, uh later on, that like they've never been able to experience all of like I guess the fun things of Survivor, for lack of a better term, like the merge feast, the family visit, like individual immunity challenges, like they've never been able to experience that. And so seeing them all come together, regardless of whatever differences are happening, seeing them all come together and sort of like cranking, pun intended, all of these challenges out and doing a very, very good job in all three immunity challenges so far, truly, I, I, I appreciate seeing it. Um, but this one ends up coming down to, um, it was Tevin and then it was Seamus and then it was Dino on the balls versus it was Shane and then it was Dante at the end. Um, Tevin and Seamus did a, did a good job 
with getting the balls on the ledges, but Dino just went boom and boom and boom and wins it for Yanta. And I was incredibly impressed because I I don't think Dino really got to show his challenge prowess on Immunity Island in the way that he knew he had and in, in, in the way we've already seen through two challenges. Yeah. Um, and, and which we may not be able to see. <laughs> we'll talk all about it. I'm sad. <laughs> but Yanta wins. Masu is going back to Tribal. And um, we already, we talked about Yontao post the challenge, Tevin addressing the tribe. But this is where I've affectionately called Pinty's Diner is open. She runs off with a coconut, but only one coconut because she's considerate. Um, <laughs> her words, not mine. Um, but she's she's having this coconut. And uh, we, we cut to later that night and Pinty confronts the tribe about you know, people talking about the amount of food that she's eaten and specifically, but not specifically addressing Tanya. Um, I don't remember. I might have missed it. I don't remember the specific part where Tanya calls Pinty a greedy pig. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when that happens. I think it was like in the first episode. Was it really? I think I think it was like really like right out of the gate of like her seeing that and not really like appreciating yeah. the game that she's playing. But didn't um, she also tell it to Tevin? See, I don't I remember that a couple times. She I might have missed it. I might have missed just all of the times because I remember her saying it. I just didn't remember the exact moment. <laughs> Oh. And so when it comes up at Tribal, I was like, yes, I remember this, but I don't remember where. And I looked at my notes and I didn't have it. And so I was like, I must have just missed all of it. But cool. We're going to say it was on camera. Sure. Um, and then we get uh, Pinty versus Tanya part two, the remix. Um, they're going back and forth. We'll see it again the next day. We'll talk about it. But... <laughs> Uh, we go to Masu post-challenge, uh, and this is the start of Tony wanting to target Marion. And in this specific conversation with PK, she's saying that Marion isn't providing anything to the tribe. And then in confessional, she says that Marion doesn't have what it takes to go all the way. We then see a clip right after that of Marion overhearing a conversation with Steffi and Tony, where Tony is talking about her being the weakest in the tribe, which then leads to the morning of day five, Marion having a breakdown with Steffi consoling her about Tony specifically talking about her skin condition. It's a difficult thing because I don't have a skin condition and I've never played Survivor. So I don't know personally how difficult that is. I know people with vitiligo and I know how difficult it is for them to be in the sun and be in the outdoors. And so it, it's just a difficult situation where I, I think I'm going to say, I feel like Tony was being a little bit insensitive in these comments, specifically referring to 
Marion not being as strong because of her vitiligo. I think her perception that Marion is the weakest because she's not providing at the camp, I that that I think is a valid perception, but taking it a step further and saying that it that a lot of it has to do with her skin condition, that's kind of where I draw the line and I I just don't I don't think that's okay. I really don't. It it hurts me to see Marion breaking down in this way. Oh yeah, like it's definitely not like it's not a fun, enjoyable like TV moment. It's not something that I think was like the the survivor drama that people enjoy watching. Um, I I will play devil's advocate for like just a moment, and then I will I will shut up. But like I think because I didn't watch Tony's original season, but people have described Tony's gameplay in the first few episodes of, of just being like emotional, like highly emotional, and I think that what Tony was trying to do here, whether she was or not, my perception of it was she was trying to get people to like empathize and like understand that like Marianne was like having a hard time because of this. And like, we should like, it sounds gross, but like, like put the dying dog down, like kind of like mindset of like, let's just put her out of her misery. Like let's put her out. Um, and that's, I think that she was trying to play on everybody's emotions by doing that. But on the other side of the token, I don't think, I don't think that it worked. I don't think that it was appropriate. I don't think that it was like doing what she wanted it to do. And I think that she did take it a, a step too far, um, by equating one thing to another, because like, if she wanted to just say, she's the weakest member of the tribe like she's not contributing to challenges like she's not helping around the camp like also like completely separately i think that she's having a hard time out here i think those would have been like two very separate arguments for the same point um but i think that equating the two is is not i i think that it is insensitive i I do i don't really like the way that it like made me feel as, as a viewer um and it was very uncomfortable watching Marion react to that the next morning um and I can I can empathize like constantly being looked at as as somebody that like physically like you're gonna have eyes on you for because you you're different you're perceived differently and equating that to being what like I said whether it's for not like being lesser than being weaker whatever it is um but also I think I think that it should have been an irrelevant point because she's on the cast. She was brought back for a second time. Like clearly Survivor production has like made sure that she is comfortable. Um, She was able to do it the first time. So I, I, yeah. Oh, we've got it on it now. That's kind of where I sit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Marion didn't think she was up for being on Survivor, she wouldn't have come back. Yeah. Because she knows, and uh, her vitiligo, to my knowledge, I, Santi, you might have more info than I do. To my knowledge, it was something that she started dealing with after her first time on Survivor, correct? Yes. Yeah, and so, like, coming back, she knows how hard it is the first time. She made it, uh, I don't remember how many days Marion made it on season yeah, five. Yeah, I think she just made it, The first, she was the first merge she was the merge yeah. boot, so it was like was day 20, 20-ish, 
somewhere around there. She knows how difficult Survivor is. And if she didn't think that she could do it with her skin condition, she wouldn't have come back. That was um, too. But also they Stog, I actually hear what you what you're saying and where you're coming from. That 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 Tony wanted to play on people's emotions and, and feeling sorry for Marion. But it didn't it felt a bit more aggressive. If you look at the scene where Tony and Pika is talking while they're sitting on the beach and Marion is approaching them and she's like, What the fuck yeah. does she want? So it felt yeah. that like little small things like that gives it away a little bit. But I haven't thought about it that way. So it makes sense what you're saying. It's just those little things. Yeah. But like you said, it, it wasn't uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to watch. It was sad to watch it. It's sad for both parties because, I mean, Tony is getting a, a lot of luck now. And there's a, rep, a lot of repercussions for her. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I think, honestly, like, the level that some people are taking the the hate to Tony online isn't good, but I think the constructive aspect of you know people showing her, hey, this is not the way that you should have gone about this, regardless of what you understood your intentions to be in that moment, what you did wasn't okay. And the way that you treated Marion in these moments is not okay um regardless of what your intentions were and i honestly i forgot about that scene on the beach where she she is saying what the fuck is marion doing like coming up yeah. and i i yeah it just i don't want to dwell on it but i do think tony was in the wrong here yeah. and i it just it's it felt mean-spirited at the it end did. of the day, at least in my in my perspective it felt mean-spirited and it felt beyond the game and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Survivor fan, and I want to see people be targeted for reasons that are game-related, not reasons that aren't game-related. Whether it has to do with skin conditions, race, gender, sexual orientation, any, any of that, I don't like seeing that shit. I want to see people be targeted for game reasons. And so that's all I really want to say on it, but, like... Send constructive things to Tony if you're gonna send anything. Just don't send like death threats. That's not yeah, that's, that's not okay. okay. I don't know if she's getting any, but like don't and I hope that Tony can learn from this experience of it being on television. But one thing I wanna uh, just ask is and, and again no shade to Tony, mm -hmm. um, but the fact uh, on all her comments on social media, she's like, it was edited. It was edited in that way. It was edited to make me look bad. And I'm not sure whether it's really that. And if you think it was edited, then explain, give like the full reasons and not just say it was edited um, and not listen to, like you say, the feedback that people are giving you. Um, and, and getting some a little bit more self-awareness from this experience, but just blaming it on the edit, because for me, LaRue and the whole production team are really the most honorable people you'll ever meet. And they will not go and put something and edit, splice things together and make you look bad as a player on purpose or 
just because they're out to get you or want to get ratings, whatever, they tell the story pretty much as closely as it is as it happened. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's just a part that bugs me because it, it does annoy me when I, when people stop me, me in the street and ask me, is this real? Is it real? Is it this? Uh, which it's all of it. It's real. Yeah. Uh, so then saying it's edited in a way to like make you look bad. Um, I don't know. But yeah, we, we, we should move on probably. I'll, I'll say one thing in response to what you said directly there, Santi. At the end of the day, this is an edited show, but also at the same time, you said all of those things. Yeah. Not you directly, but Tony. Tony said all of those things. Tony did all of those things. And whether it was edited a certain way or not is kind of a mute point to me personally, because like you said those things. So at the end of the day, like like you said, and I, I do fully agree with you, not being a survivor, a South African survivor myself, but from what I have seen from now nine seasons of Survivor South Africa, they do a very good job of editing the show in the best possible way that they can to show as much of the show and the stories as they can. Um, a lot happens in 24 hours over 39 days. But at the end of the day, she said those things and should be held accountable in that regard. And we'll talk about Tony again in a different situation later where I think her feelings and emotions and reactions are incredibly valid. But in this specific situation, she should be held accountable for the things that she said and did while there. Yeah. So um, let's talk about something more fun. Like a um, it's not really much more fun. Tony continues to to sort of want to target Marion. Um, and then Tejan mentions uh, mentions directly the core four alliance. Which, uh, this was news to me. I'm only assuming he refers to himself, PK, Tony, and Palisa. But I'm not sure. He says it in confessional, and I'm like, so who's, who's in this core for, Tejan? I would like to know. Um, please elaborate, sir. Um, I assume it's that. I don't know if either of y'all have any other perspective on it but that's that's what i thought yeah i don't know um but uh the breakfast club then has a has a talk they're discussing voting for pk we see meryl talk in confessional saying that she wants to target tony uh because she thinks that she can fill the spot that tony has within the alliances um but her alliance is wanting to go for PK, so at this point, she's going to jump on the PK boat. But I do love Meryl's reasoning here, and another reason why I'm so happy Meryl is back. Because she is such a strategic mind in that way, and I, I, I loved Meryl the first time. I'm happy to see her here again and showing off all of those chops again. But in a I'm, way, it's... Oh, sorry, so go first. Well, I was just going to say, I, I'm interested in because, like, that she wasn't able to like make those points a little harder. I think that she could have pushed maybe 
um, a little more on Tony and maybe switched it. Um, I just don't think that she wanted to to seem like real like aggressive about like getting her way. Uh, she, I think she wanted to be seen more of like like a team player. Um, but I like just looking at it from like your standard like game justification. PK is going to be stronger in challenges. I think. Um, just from an outside perspective of not being of not yeah. having seen either one of these people play before. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that like that would have been a, maybe kind of like an easy justification. Um and then I think it would have been very easy for Meryl to get Marion on board and then the two of them push forward to to get Tony's name out there. Um I think Tony very easily could have been a, a foremost target uh going into this tribal. Yeah. But I, I, I want to make some form of prediction because I'm picking it up between the lines. Is It seems like Meryl is getting frustrated with Dante. Like, I can see in her face, it feels like she doesn't feel heard when she yes. speaks to him. And that is going to bite him in the ass, I am predicting. Because yeah. you, can, you can already see it. There's something there. Yeah. I can't put my finger on, but there's something there. I, I think it, it goes back to Meryl being on this season again with Dante. And one of one of her first confessionals was something along the lines of, I'm very excited to see Dante here, but I don't know what that's going to do for my game. Mm. And she wasn't someone that we saw outright from the beginning saying, oh, I'll cut my duo if I need to, like Marion did. Um, but I, I definitely, I, I think I agree with you, Sunny. I think we might see Meryl turn on Dante at some point when it just gets to be too much to where she's just not being heard. Um, but we see this kind of spread through the Breakfast Club. We're targeting PK. Cool, cool, whatever. And then we see Marion, with the assistance of Steffi, finding the diplomatic immunity that was on your season, Santi, but wasn't used. Mm. Yeah, Chappie's had it, um, but he never used the Jays. So it's yeah. the first time, yeah, it's back. That maybe it'll get used. Um, was it, because, so in this instance, we see Marion reading it, where she says, if your tribe loses, either you or someone of your choice gets swapped over. Was that the same in Immunity Island? Yes, yes it was okay. the same. Yeah. Okay, I, I couldn't remember. I figured you would probably remember more than I would. <laughs> uh, in our season, uh, Chappies really wanted to play it at what point. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I begged him not to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is what's going to happen. So, I mean, you can really screw up someone's game to send an enemy away to get yeah. numbers back. So I think it can be used in such beautiful ways, which I'm sure it will be. I, I'm really excited to see how this plays out because I... Like it, like you said, it's it's not just an immunity idol, which can be played for like one time, one person. Like it, it has like long-lasting effects into the game. You can see theoretically this next uh, loss by this tribe. You could see uh, Marion just being like, "I don't want to deal with Tony anymore." Send Tony away. But then, like you, the yeah. repercussions of like Tony going to the other tribe, Tony. I think says at one point, like, I'm ready to, for the murder, like, I'm ready to swap, like, I'm ready mm. to, like, flip on all these people, like, I don't want to be here, um, yeah. like, and, and play this game with, with, with these, with this group. Um, yeah. And so, like, that's not a good idea, but, like, if you go into, like, a two to three tribe 
swap and then Marion is on the bottom like does Marion play it for herself does she like send somebody else if she has the majority like it, yeah. like it's it's very interesting it, it can be done used in a lot of different ways and I'm, I'm really excited to see how um how it gets used it's one of my favorite twists that i've seen i i believe only on south africa so far has this twist been implemented um and this is honestly one of my favorite twists i've seen in a long time because i do think there are so many different ways that you can play it like you alluded to stark um i'm really excited to see i hope it gets used in some capacity i do too because I would love to see just with this being a returning season, my immediate thoughts went to, oh, if Marion were to swap like someone over, like who else from her season is on the other tribe that she would maybe even want to work with. I don't remember the pre-merge dynamics of champions all that well. I watched it but I watched it like six months ago. So like, it's been a minute, but I, I don't even know. Whereas if, if she were to, if it stays the way it is, if she were to swap Tony, that immediately puts a target on Tony and potentially also increases the target on Tevin because mm. of this Mindanao connection that everybody on the cast is well aware exists. So it would just be the PK and Tony connection just on a different side now with Tevin and Tony. And I, and I think on the flip side of it, if Marion uses it on herself as the tribes are now, you have Kalari and Marion and Shane who are all on the same starting tribe. I don't know if the, like, the, mm. like the tribe dynamics were there. Um, like all three of them yeah. are on the same tribe. And so I think Marion goes from uh, being on a tribe with Shane to being on a tribe with Kalari, and then maybe it's the same dynamic, maybe it's not. I mean, Kalarni was the first person voted off of Kalarni, the Kalarni, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Marion voted Kalarni out. So... I don't think, given the current dynamics, that Marion will be using it on herself, but we never know what'll happen. <laughs> um, but we go to Tribal... This tribal is kind of, like, a little cut and dry. Um, the tribe doesn't listen to each other, and Steffi talks about that, and Tony is tired of everybody talking about her relationship with PK. Maybe you should have thought about that before getting Mindanao tattoos. I don't know. Y'all probably, <laughs> probably couldn't have couldn't have had the forethought to think maybe there would be a returner season. Like... The it's, production it's, would put three people with matching tattoos on the same season, yeah. Whereas three people who were very, very closely aligned on the same season. Yeah, and I mean, Pika and Tony shared an island. Remember how hungry they yeah. were that single uh, Yeah. Like, oh. The thing, yeah, the thing that was the the thing that was a weird argument to me was something that PK had said was like, like people assume that just because we're on the same like on the same season that we're playing together. And then I feel like he tried to allude to the fact that, like, you don't know what really happened. Like, Tony could have been the reason that I went home. And it's like, like, could, she like, was, it, she wasn't, but sure. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's an edited show, right? But like, well, I, I guess indirectly, kind of, if I think back to Philippines, like, indirectly, they were in the minority come like final seven or eight or whatever 
because it was it was Palesa, PK, Tony, or Palesa, Tony, and PK were voted out back to back to back, if I remember right. And so, like, they were all kind of the minority of this, like, majority that stuck to One of the few times we saw a majority alliance stick together long-term on Survivors of Africa. Oh, but... Go ahead, Cindy. No, no, no. I was just agreeing about the sticking together of the alliance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the, uh, the idea is everybody's saying, oh, we're going to move together as a stronger tribe. And uh, we get a little squabble between Marion and Tony where it's a little bit of those feelings that were kind of expressed earlier on both sides. Tony's really not listening to anything Marion has to say. Um, and I, I love the moment where uh, it is asked um, if everybody is voting, who is voting in the majority and everybody raises their hands. <laughs> and Nico, Nico just sitting there, this whole tribal, uh, reaffirmed my love for Nico, but <laughs> it was just like... Probes, Probes has done it a couple times, too, where, like, everybody thinks that they're in the majority, and it's always just so fun to watch, like, everybody <laughs> thinks that they're going with right side of the votes. Yeah. Because you know somebody's not. Yeah. And there were four people that didn't, because we go to vote... And it is a 5-4 vote. And PK is voted out. I I was kind of surprised. I I didn't know where things were gonna go. I knew that the, the Breakfast Club five were gonna stick together. I, I I we didn't see anything saying that they would vote for Tony, so I guess I'm not really all that surprised. Um that PK, PK was the only one brought up in the edit, therefore, PK is going to be the one voted out. But mm -hmm. given the optics of everything happening, like you alluded to, I wish Meryl had pushed a little bit harder, and I think had she been able to get Marion on side, and maybe gotten the guys to listen to her, we maybe would have seen Tony voted out here instead of PK, but instead we see PK get voted out pretty much because of Tony. Not because of anything PK did directly. Yeah. Which is upsetting because I like PK as a player and I was I was hoping to see more out of him. But Yeah, I also would, would want to yeah, see more of PK. It's 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 a pity. Um but yeah, hopefully things change up soon so that it doesn't become too predictable. Yeah. Cause if, if things keep going the way that they're going, it seems like if the majority stays together, it's going to be Tony. And then Palesa gets voted out, which I don't want to see. Because I, I love Palesa. I love Palesa. Um, and then Tejan gets voted out if they go to another tribal. Like, that's what's going to happen. So I hope that Palesa specifically can, can get in with this majority, maybe. Um, but we move to the next episode. And... Another interesting situation happens because we, we get back to camp. Tony is frustrated. She's saying that she's emotional. She's saying that they should have gotten rid of her instead of PK. And Dante, I, I would say yells at Tony. I, I do. I see where, like, Dante came from when he says, like, 
I wasn't trying to yell at you. Like you raised your voice and I'd like matched, matched. the level because yeah. like as somebody who's married, who sometimes gets into tiffs with, with <laughs> his wife, um, like we have both like definitely done that, like kind of match your tone. And then we like have to bring it down and like reevaluate yeah. like, where that conversation is going. Um, so like, I can see that potentially like contributing to the level, but I absolutely understand where Tony's coming from when she says like, I felt like I was yelled at, that's triggering for me. Um, yeah. And so like, I understand why he feels like he wasn't yelling, but I feel like I, I also understand why Tony felt like he was. Yeah. So she, she gets triggered by being, having Don, the, the interaction with Dante. We'll yeah. say that whether it was yelling, whether it was raising the voice, whatever the interaction with Dante, um, gets Tony very, very emotional and triggered. She goes off and in confessional is talking about um, her past with verbal abuse from men specifically. Um, and it, it, it's an interesting dynamic because where I, I didn't agree with what Tony did and said earlier, I think her feelings and opinions and reactions are completely valid here. As someone that that knows what it's like to to deal with abuse we'll say that i i understood exactly where tony is because i have been in a similar situation and so i i get specifically the way tony reacted and i i think she's completely valid in that and i think again this is very separate from what happened earlier with marion but in this instance and going into the morning as well i think the way tony reacted i think was completely valid Something else that I thought was was interesting that that made the edit that like spoke that communicated to me like what that dynamic was and what that relationship was and what those what Dante specifically was feeling in that moment was like I do think that Dante was like a lot more heated than Tony was because Dante said something about like I'm not your ex husband and Tony yeah. loses it like yeah. justifiably so because obviously like that mm -hmm. is a triggering thing like that's that's a, like an issue for her and Dante yeah. immediately was like I didn't say that like you like you're putting words in my mouth I never said it. And I was like you're sitting in front of a tribe with like eight people seven other people like everybody saw it it's now on film and yeah so it's, I, it was very it was very interesting to me that like that made it into the edit where like he said but I think that it, it really helps explain Tony's mindset there of like he did say this thing she heard it and then he just I don't. I don't know if he was trying to to gaslight her and say like I never said that, which would be an interesting move. I just think that he was like so heated that he doesn't like even remember that he said that like in the moment. It, it felt. I I don't know what Dante knows about Tony's prior situations as well, but his reaction to her reaction was a little insensitive, in my personal opinion. Um, but then I look at specific things that Tony does and says in this, in the reaction part, I look specifically to, um, the night after the tribal, when the first interaction between them happens and she goes off and I don't remember who it was comforting her, but then she says, I don't want Meryl. Mm. Yeah. That and was that spoke volumes to me because like, Yes, you, uh, you have these emotions, feel the way you feel because that's valid, but then don't 
take that out on people that are your adversaries, I guess. And then later, Meryl comes back just to be like a comforting person for Tony. And then Tony kind of just lays everything out and is like, I don't understand why this happened. Again, digging into Marion, which I didn't appreciate, where she's saying that like, PK deserves to be here uh, more than Marion. I deserve to be here more than Marion. And so then it's like, that complicates things even more because I want to support you and your feelings and all of that when it comes to abuse. But then you go and say, you go and say all these things against someone that you already said really bad things about. It's, it's frustrating. And, and also, I mean, when you've been on Survivor before, and I mean, I, I struggle with my mental health and also triggering stuff. You do need to, to prepare. You need to, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not, that's not what Tony did, but it's something that you should work on probably more. I mean, obviously in my case, I worked on it more than my physical side, but it's it's really something that you need to be prepared for. And, and, and especially even verbal altercations is a given on Survivor. Yeah. The fights there is actually, you guys don't see the half of it on air because it's just like, uh, like a commune and people just screaming about who had the loss of the milk or whatever. So it's something yeah. that you're going to have to prepare for. And especially after a vote, if, you know, and that, there's where, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to speak about our episodes, but that is where someone like Warda handled things way better. When we, can, can I spoiler alert it now, season eight, or how does this work? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Yeah, spoiler alert if you haven't watched season eight. First of all, go yeah. do it. But second of all, yeah. go ahead. So when, uh, when we blindsided Warda and voted Carla off, Warda was furious, but she just sat there and she she held it in and she because that's what you need to do you need to be able to control your emotions and i mean i'm one of the biggest emotional players you'll you'll find but you're gonna have to work on that and also you can't be upset that people are saying horrible things to you or or attacking like then if you want to play that card then you must know your side is clean if the, sorry, my, yeah. my English and Afrikaans, I don't know if it comes out the way. It's it, 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 that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it just, it's just a difficult situation to be in on a whole because also knowing Tony's original season, she comes from a season where there were a lot of verbal altercations. She wasn't involved in all of them, but there were a lot of them um, specifically with one person. I don't want to spoil anything, but specifically with one person kind of being the the um, the instigator of a lot of the verbal altercations. And while she wasn't involved in all of those on Philippines, she knows, she's been on Survivor before. She knows that these kind of things happen, but also on the flip side of that, where it's difficult is the way everybody handles specific triggers and specific, specific instances is very personal to them. And again, while I think her reaction and the way that she handled everything, specifically when it comes to being triggered by what Dante said, I think all of that is valid. I just then find an issue with her once again, berating Marion to Meryl of all 
people, and I guess at that moment she probably didn't care who it was. She just needed to release this this energy. Um, but again, digging into someone that hasn't done anything directly to her, it just complicates the whole situation. So uh, yeah. her feelings are valid. The way she went about things after that, I don't agree with. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh boy, this it's uh, oh, going to wait for Monday. <laughs> I can't wait for Monday. Um, I, I guess we could finish off the conversation about Masu before we go back to Yontau before we go to the challenge. Um, because this is where we get the formation of the new alliance, the full package. I love this trio. I kind of figured that this would happen. Meryl being the social player, Stuffy being the physical player, and Marion being the strategic player. Love. All of this, I want this to succeed. I yeah, I would love for, for these three to move like very, very far into the game together. Cause I, I like I could see Marion potentially like being the one left out and using the tribe flip like mm -hmm. to go just to be with those two because sure. um, because i see those two being like very reliable allies for her at least for some time sure but just rope in palesa please <laughs> that hey. would be yeah, that, that would be, would that be... Is. they um I, I would be happy with that foursome i think that is a that will be fire. Yeah. It, it, I think it will be interesting, given the dynamics of all of the other people from Survivor Philippines. We have Tony and all of her situations. We have Tevin, who's kind of in this, like, not alpha position, but he seems very, very well positioned on Yontau. But then there's Palisa, who we haven't seen a whole lot of. And she's she's doing a very good job like she did on Philippines flying under the radar very early. And like I hope I hope she can do well. Again, I like her a lot. So I am biased, but I would like to see her do well. Um but yes, Ropen Ropen Palesa and then everything will be lovely with that with that alliance. I, I guess Palesa would be, I don't know not the beauty because they're all beautiful, but because they have social, strategic, and physical. So then what would, if we're including Palesa, what would her, like, little, her thing be? Um, the idol finder. The oh, idol yeah. Maybe something like that. Idol She's the there. idol queen, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's jump over to Yontau, because we see a little bit of them after tribal obviously they didn't go but on night five there's a whole situation about sleeping by the fire and we see pinty talking in confessional about how she slept by the fire every night since they've been here and now all of a sudden everybody wants to sleep by the fire and i i again have not played survivor myself but i can assume that the fire sleeping by the fire at night when you're in south africa is probably very very nice um, I don't know if you would agree, Santi, but no. Uh, no. <laughs> I never slept next to the fire because for mm. obvious reasons. But uh, we'll get to that. But I never slept next to a fire. <laughs> we well, we added our feet, mm. but, it, but never like on the ground level of it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and this is where we, yeah, this is where we see Phil 
I think for his first confessional of the season, okay. I'm going to be really honest. I think he's lovely, but I had completely forgotten about him because he just was not in the edit. <laughs> um, but Phil, in what I'm going to say is his first confessional of the season, is talking about how, you know, he likes Pinty, but he's not sure if... Uh, if if Pinty is is going to be able to be saved because she just keeps blurting out her opinions, um, we'll talk more about that as as the episode goes on. But we we then see just a scream, and then it cuts to the intro, and then we come back the next morning at Yontau, and Dino has fallen into the fire. He pulled uh oh um what was his name? Yes, Michael yes. Scoopin. Scoopin. He pulled a scoopin. Yes and fell into the fire and burned his hands. And thankfully he's okay. Um, I was very worried. Um, I, I, definitely thought that, I definitely thought they were gonna get to the challenge and they were gonna be like, you know, see ya. I, worst case scenario, truly, I don't wanna see that happen. But he's, I, I do appreciate that he's being tended by um, medical and Seamus immediately comes up and he's like, don't worry, like, you have me, you're good, you're not going anywhere. And I did really appreciate that. I do like this bond that Dino and Seamus have formed so far. But the interesting thing as well is we haven't really seen a lot of alliance making from the Yontau tribe. It has been very, very kumbaya. And the only real alliances that have attempted to be formed have been formed by Pinty, or not by Pinty, by Tanya. And have since kind of just become null and void because one of them included Pinty. <laughs> and so it's difficult. I did appreciate um, Seamus's compassion in this moment. Um, but then we go back to Tanya complaining about Pinty. And uh, there's more complaining about Pinty. And then Tevin, who Tanya was complaining to, then goes to Seamus and they're talking about Pinty. Um, drink every time they say pinty in this episode alone, just this episode. Um, don't do that. I don't want anyone ending up in the hospital. But um, there's just a lot of concern over Tanya and pinty as people in this tribe, which, spoiler, goes into the rest of the episode, which we'll talk about after the immunity challenge. Um, was, was this kind of attitude towards finding something that was duplicated in the in her other season like i don't like obviously she yes. was, was was it she, well, she was on immunity island she was the first voted off of her tribe yes i, and I she just, had I a guess... similar fight with with Carla about like putting her stuff uh, everywhere and yeah yeah, yeah she, oh, okay. she yeah that's uh it's, yeah I, 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 just, I just remember rooting for Pinty. There was just something about Pinty that I was like, I really like her. Yeah. Um, and so, but I'm also like, it consumes stuff and then for the most part, like immediately brain dump it so I can go back and watch yeah. it two or three more times and still enjoy sure. it. Sure. But so, but I was like, I don't remember like if that's why Pinty got voted out uh, yeah. in her season. Yeah. So like it, it was, it, I think... Yeah it being more of a storyline and more of an ongoing storyline for multiple episodes mm, was, was, was something that was like, oh, I, I don't remember any of this. This, this for yeah. me was like 
supposed to be, I guess, a, a different um, side of Pinty. I was also rooting for Pinty in our season while I was in the mm -hmm. season. She is so, she's just fabulous. Yeah. And I, I, while I was on that island and I looked at her, I'm like, Yesy, I am really rooting for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then Miss Miss Bossy comes out, and then it's a bit different. She, <laughs> she, has, she has the spirit that I love seeing in a Survivor player. Like, yeah. everything about her spirit and the way that she plays, I love. I just wish she wouldn't speak her opinions as much and hold them in as much as she possibly can. But I do understand that for some people, that's just not possible. Um, but I will say as well, Pine Tea has now also improved on her previous performance. Yeah, she is. She has made it past the second elimination. So, mm -hmm. kudos on. And well, we'll get to that later. But um, but yes. So we go to the immunity challenge. Um, and this is also a classic that I, we've seen a lot more. I think an Australian is the one that kind of um utilizes this challenge a lot more. Two people holding baskets, and everybody else is throwing things into the baskets. In this case, it was sandbags, but I know they've done coconuts in the past yeah. or other things. Um, it's basically who can just hold this basket the longest. Um, and it was Felix and Teresa versus Steffi and Dante. This is also where we find out before the challenge that Dino suffered second degree burns. But he is still in the game, clearly sitting out of this challenge. I am interested going into next week whether that will impact. Oh, what was that thunder? That was thunder from my from my area. Yeah, I we've heard. been we've been needing the rain. This is also a very very good microphone, <laughs> so that's part of it. But um, we've been needing the rain, so uh, that that is a welcome. That is a welcome instance. So if you hear more thunder, sorry about it, but whatever. Um, but I'm interested to see if it impacts Dino at all. I really hope it doesn't. But we'll see. It seems like yeah, he's I, made a full recovery since, so. I, I think it's, it's very interesting when somebody gets injured in Survivor versus when somebody gets injured in, like, Big Brother. Because Big Brother, like, you mm -hmm. are, like, Christmas, I think, is, is the best example. Like, when Christmas was injured, like, she just yeah. floated through the game because nobody saw her as yeah. a threat to win anything unless people forced her to win a competition. Um, but here, I think if I think if somebody falls in the fire and burns their hands, like, post-merge, it's like, oh, leave them in because they're not going to win individual immunity. Like, like they're... They might not be as contributory to like a uh, reward challenge, but when you're pre-merged, you have to have that tribe dynamic of being able to work well together and be effective in challenges. Um, yeah. I'm I'm very worried for Dino, um, although I, I hope that he is able to to pull through or his tribe is able to find like ways that he can be of use. Yeah. Um, in those challenges so that he can continue yeah. to improve himself. And and for context for Santini, I presume you probably don't watch Big Brother oh, in the I'm US. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and for other people that do not watch Big Brother in the US, uh, there was a season where a contestant named Christmas um, broke her name. leg in the first week. Her real name is Christmas. 
I want to say I love the name. I can put it anyway, yeah. We don't, we don't love her, but oh, the name is fine. Um, <laughs> you don't want to, honey. You don't. The name is just all. Otherwise, we we don't like her as a human. But anyway, okay. <laughs> um, she broke her leg in the first week in the house. Was then taken out of the game to go to the hospital. Then subsequently cast a vote to evict from the hospital and then returned to the game and made the final day of the game. No. Yes. And played the entire I agree. And she was on a she was on a scooter like the whole time. Like she was scooting up and down the stairs in the house. And and she did win a challenge, a foot race challenge. She won a foot Uh, race. (laughs) I will I will send you the clip later just so you can see how wild and crazy it is because it's it is so truly one of the wildest moments i've ever seen on big brother and we actually have someone in the uh unnamed big brother season that's currently airing uh someone else uh injured uh broke broke no, twisted something twist. twisted twist. her ankle and is in a very similar situation and she's still in the game it's so most of the season though that's a conversation for not our podcast because we don't cover it. Anyway, um, yes, Felix and Teresa on the ropes versus Steffi and Dante. I thought those were all the correct choices to be on there. If it's going to be a man and a woman, those are the correct choices. I think maybe the maybe instead of Teresa, potentially Killarney, but I do think Teresa was a good choice for that. Um, but immediately, as we typically see with these kinds of challenges, the men are targeted. We want to get all of our all of our sandbags into them, so that way the I guess presumably bigger target in this challenge is taken out, and then we can focus on the women. Um, this was a fairly even challenge, though, which I did appreciate because it's not always that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Steffi is just a beast. I. What else is there to say? Steffi is just, and Teresa is too. Teresa did exceptional in this challenge. Um, not that the men didn't, they just weren't in it for as long. Hmm. But um, I was really impressed with both Steffi and Teresa in their performance in this challenge. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the strategy going into this like type of challenge is like, it should be like a two to one or a three, three to one. Like, put enough weight on the guy so that he's having to hold the weight and endure the weight. And then, like, you can really, like, put some on, on the, the girl or the woman and and then they have to kind of do the same thing. Um, I think that should be proportional because I think that uh, when you just, like, solely focus on the guy and then it's, like, 20 bags in, in his and like two or three in hers like that mm-hmm. has always confused me as like just a pile on because mm. i think the endurance piece is really what ends up getting people uh, yeah. on the back end of the challenge um so I, I think maybe if uh they had modified their their uh strategy and, and put more on steppy early on i think that like it very easily could have gone the other way yeah, yeah, I agree, Stoke. I was actually thinking the same. Totally agree. Did did y'all compete in this challenge? We had something similar where we had to throw coconuts in. Yeah. But we needed to get it to drop. So no, yeah. we, we didn't really do that, no. Yeah. 
similar but very very different in execution but yeah i i completely agree i think had they targeted steffi a little bit more towards the beginning it would have weakened her a little bit more whereas they were um masu was really doing this like almost it seemed like three to one situation between both felix and Teresa, um which does ultimately get them the win um we i forgot to talk about it um yontao wins a fishing kit in the second immunity challenge and masu wins a uh a, what is the sponsor i always future the future life, life. i <laughs> One of the things that just endears me to South Africa is all of the very, very clearly sponsored rewards. It's like, here is this from future life, and here are these lines that I have to say. And I, I love Nico trying to subtly put all of these lines that he was told to say into his script. And I, I always love that. I, I think they're very funny. But also, um, I think after we had that long break in not having Survivor, because obviously in South Africa, we don't have the kind of budgets the Americans yeah. or the Australians have. Yeah. And after having such a long break from Survivor and getting Survivor finally back on air, mm-hmm. like the South African viewers and the South African fa- fans don't care that oh. you can brand in my, I mean, brand everything, brand tribal for all I care. Because I, I'm cool with a tribe is called Future Life. Call a tribe future life for all I care. I don't care. I'm just happy it's on television. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you. But I was uh-huh. quite, um, in my, like, it did take me back because that's the only reward I ever won was, or not I, oh, the tribe yeah. I was part of was future uh-huh. life. So I'm uh-huh. so very brand loyal to them. <laughs> I was going to say, how do we like future life? Do we like, do we like future life? Is it all? <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. No, I don't know. I don't eat it's, a lot, so it's it's more of like a like a health and nutrition brand, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's cereals and energy bars mm-hmm. and stuff for gymming people like shakes. Sure. Not me. Yeah, not, not me. me either. I go to the gym, but I'm not like that level yeah. of because I, I was trying to it. I was trying to think of an American equivalent and I couldn't mm-hmm. think of one. Do you have Prenutro in America? No. Well, I'll try and think. I'll try and think. The closest thing uh, is actually like a chain of stores that I thought of is called GNC. Yeah. And they're very like, it's very like the like gym people and it's like yeah. supplements and all that kind of stuff. But they're more like supplements and protein powders and like vitamins as opposed to like. More, I think it's more family. You can have the porridge as a family and okay. energy bars if you're a kid that needs to. Yeah. So I think okay. they're more like that. Yeah. I meant to ask you at the start, and I didn't. So I'm gonna ask you now. Yes. What? Because we were uh, we because uh, um, in the first episode, everyone that covered was covering it was American. We weren't sure what PAP was. Oh, <laughs> um. So it's a it's uh, I'm I'm yo okay. So what is it called? They take I think they take mice and they make it. Into a is it party. like porridge? Yes, it's porridge. Okay, because we I thought it was porridge. We thought it was something like a porridge or an oatmeal or That's something oatmeal. along. The, okay. How, how do you make your? What is your porridge like? Is it white? Um, it's 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 typically like a thicker consistency. I was also thinking of something like grits, which are made with cornmeal. 
Yeah. Um, it might be, you know, cornmeal like just cooked in water situation. Yes, yes, yeah. yes exactly that. Exactly okay. That. Okay. Yes. Cool. We were just we were just curious because again, I'm still learning all of the South African culture, which I love learning through this show, but we were all curious, so now I have an answer. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I, asking, but I, I don't think I gave you the best answer, but yeah. I, think I, we're, I, we're just, I just Googled uh, grits versus pap. Okay. Grits yes. tend to be prepared to be softer than pap, okay. um, but they are, okay. quote, not the same thing, but it does look Great. like there's a very similar, like, consistency to it. it they're okay. both meals, like like cornmeal, yeah. like yeah. okay, cool. And that's your South African culture lesson for the, for the day. The more you know, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> um, but yes, Masu wins the challenge. Um, they go to the Future Life Reward, and, and they're enjoying the Future Life Reward. And then everybody is just openly looking for idols, and that's another thing that I love about this cast is yeah. just like. No shame. Everybody go look for your idol. Do it. Um, and presumably no one found... It looked like Meryl had found something. I also thought the same thing, because somebody else was, like, right in that same area. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, they must have just missed it. Like, she's about to find it. And it didn't show that she did. We'll see in a future episode whether whether she got whether she got something or not, but it's not mentioned here. Um, but so we go to Yontau after the challenge um, and there, this starts the whole discussion of the, the tribe needing to be more unified than strong. And that's something Phil says specifically in confessional. Um, he would rather have a more unified tribe than necessarily a stronger tribe. And so people like Pinty and Tanya, um, bring the unity down. And now I'm looking at my notes and I specifically wrote down Tanya calls Pinty a greedy pig. So ah. my whole dilemma from earlier, it's now in my notes I found it. Um <laughs> this was not the first time that she said it though. I'm, okay. I'm very I'm very confident that she mentions it in the first two episodes at some point. If somebody knows, let us know in the comments. Cause I would like to I would like to know. Um but then Tanya presumably goes, I, I put in quotes in my notes, goes to apologize <laughs> to Pinty, where it becomes, I apologize for what happened, but also I'm going to stand behind everything I said because it's true. <laughs> I, I do kind of feel like it was intended to like try to like kind of resolve the issue. And yeah. Tanya did not get the response that Tanya was expecting, so Tanya just doubled because, down on what she had said. Because Pinty does not, or um, Pinty does not play the game the way that Tanya likes the game to be played. We have to remember everybody. <laughs> uh, this is no shade to Tanya, but there was something that Tanya said that I I really appreciated, just from her perspective of like. It, I think that it spoke, speaks to like the kind of person that she is like in the game outside of the game but she was like she said something to the effect of like 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 if you don't stand up for like like other people and if you don't stand up for things that are right like what kind of like ally or friend or, or like person are you like overall and I, I, I do feel like that's what Tanya was like trying to do was yeah. like like 
look out for the other people in her tribe, make sure that food was equally distributed. I think sure. the way that she went about it was not well. I think if she had pulled yeah. Pinky aside and been like, hey, this is the perception. I just wanted to let you know. I yeah. think it, but but she went around like calling her a greedy little piggy, like say like yeah. saying these other things behind her back. And it I just is I like I think she had kind of good intentions. It just did yeah. not play out or was received well intended at all. Well, I did write down, there's a, there's a quote directly from Tanya from her confessional where she says, when you lose compassion and empathy, what can you be proud of? And I think that that kind of speaks to it. I completely agree with you. I don't think the way that Tanya went about this whole situation was necessarily the best, but also the way that Tanya reacted on her first time on Survivor, uh, this kind of situation does not surprise me really in any way. Um, I definitely think Tanya had all of the right intentions, but went about it in the absolute wrong way. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I can really relate um, with 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 Tanya, and I and I think she, like both of you said, her intentions were good, but also I like the fact that she's not consumed by this game to a point where she loses herself. I mean, she did go into the season saying, my mouth is going to get me in trouble. I must try and keep quiet. I must try and do that. So she knew she, she knew that was an issue from a previous season. But I think in this episode, you could see she was actually so at peace with what she was feeling and what she was saying and, and really believing it was the, wanting the best for everyone around her. And I... Yeah, I'm glad she could stay true to who she was. Yeah. Because um, some people, yeah, it's, you know, we know the story. But in terms of gameplay, she, there's no thing you can take from what she did that will ever make this good for your survivor game. But yeah. what she, what she brought out in this episode by saying what she did like standing up for the underdog or standing up for what you believe. All of that is something that I really respect. And I really kind of felt sorry for her that her tribe was just sitting there not saying anything because that's also, I mean, don't be a wuss. I mean, if, if it's about food, then at least take on Tanya in front of everyone or take on Pinty. But them yeah. all sitting there was a bit annoying for me. I felt and for her. And the part that was a little frustrating as well is we see Felix, we see Felix doing a little bit of it, but it's after Tanya ends up walking off because Pinty ends up Pinty and Tanya end up bringing this like apology slash part three of their argument to the to the camp itself, and um, Tanya ends up walking off, and Pinty is kind of talking to the group like, "No, everything I did was like." was perfectly fine. She's just not in the right state of mind. And Felix starts to say something and she shuts him down immediately. But then in confessional, he says, you know, I kind of agree with some of the things that Tanya is saying here. Like, I, I don't think Tanya's perception is necessarily wrong. And so I at least appreciate that Felix can acknowledge it at some point. I do wish that it didn't turn into everyone versus Tanya, which is what it became. But to be fair, I, I don't think that, I just think that people did not want to end up on the wrong side of the boat because I think yes. there were a lot of people um, that were on board with voting on Pinty 
Um, and it was just everybody needed to get on the same page. And because there yeah. were people that wanted to vote on Pinty, people that wanted to vote on Tanya. And it was, I think several people said, like, I just have to be sold on this vote. I just have to figure out where everybody else is going. Yeah. And uh, so I think that this was one of those moments where it's like, you don't want to, like, I think everybody in the tribe was kind of aware that one of these two people was going. Because yeah. I, I do think in this instance, like, tribe unity was the most important thing because you can't continue to have that, like, that stuff happening in camp because it's really disruptive. Yeah. Um, but, like, you, Felix, as an example, who I had kind of completely forgot was on the show, like, was was this his first confessional this, this yeah. episode? Probably. Um, but, like, Felix doesn't want to speak up on behalf of Tanya because they were on the same tribe, or they were were they on, yeah, they were on the same tribe together. Yeah. They played in the same season. Like, Felix doesn't want to step up and, like, speak up for her and then be left in a situation where Pinty is still in camp mm-hmm. and, or speak in defense, defending Pinty, and then he has to deal with, like, Tanya being, being still but, there. So, like, I, but I, I, do, I do see what you're saying, Sanjani, but, like, yeah, you but, should be I able mean, to even, stand up with, like, conviction. But also, I mean, uh, this is going to sound horrible, but maybe I want to ask the question, why are they pre-merged boots? Because there's fear. Yeah. Like, I mean, not you shouldn't yeah. play in fear because this is not going to be the first time you're going to have to choose sides. And playing yeah. with fear um, is maybe the reason why they ended up where they did um, because yeah. of that. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. But play, That's fair, you're gonna yeah. Get get those situations going forward again. But I think maybe they are traumatized by the fact that they um, don't want to also be the first person voted out of the pre-merge. So yeah. Maybe after this, people will start standing up for themselves at least or for yeah. whoever. Yeah, because we see, to your point earlier, Stark, we see Tevin in confessional specifically says, this is kind of Tanya's opportunity to sell me on this vote. If she sells me, I'm voting Pinty. If she doesn't, I'm voting Tanya. And like Phil even says, because then Seamus kind of gets brought into this conversation because Pinty straight up asks Seamus for the Mm -hmm. idol, which was universally agreed upon was going to be given to Seamus. And also everybody knows about this idol. So then why would Seamus use it on either one of these people and then jeopardize his own game where he is he's just breaking new ground here where he's literally never played this aspect of the game. So he's not going to do anything to attract attention to him in, in a negative way. Um, and then we see Phil and Felix talking about, you know, the potential of targeting Seamus. So maybe we want to target Pinty. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of idea about targeting and voting for Pinty. But ultimately, we'll see shortly that doesn't come to fruition. Um, because also, we see, uh, I believe Kalani gets her first confessional mm. of the season. A-, a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is the first time Yontau is going to Tribal. And so, like, we, we hadn't seen these people for three episodes really as much as we saw Masu. Um, but Kalani is concerned about Tanya being around camp. And so she's at the water well with Shona and Teresa, and they're all talking and Tanya overhears it where they're all saying, we just have to lie to her 
we have to treat her like a human, but also not don't tell her what's happening. And Tanya being Tanya, <laughs> instead of keeping that information and maybe spreading it to other people and getting the target on one of these three ladies, which I do think was completely feasible. I think if Tanya had 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 the forethought to do that, and I don't know if she did, but if she had had the forethought to maybe want to target Shona, I guess specifically as someone who was early considered a, a, a weaker player and thus a target, um, instead of doing all of that, she goes directly to Shona and Teresa and is like, I know what you said. Uh, don't think I don't know what you said. And then Shona tries to defend herself, which, like, to be fair, she heard everything you said, so there's really not a defense to be had. But then Tanya just shuts... Literally, Shona cannot say more than two words at a time before Tanya just shuts it down. And I, I don't think that helped either. And all of the... That all of that happens, which doesn't aid Tanya, but um, yeah, that happens. <laughs> and, and I think that, I think, like, I, I don't remember exactly, but doesn't that come after Tanya's confessional of, like, if you want to be heard, speak up, if you want to be seen, stand up, yes. if you want to be, like, forgotten about, uh, like, shut, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Yeah. And then she immediately does the exact opposite of what she said she was going to do which makes me think was that confessional filmed after this all happens because i know confessionals get like mixed around i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't think i, I don't think that specific one it didn't feel like that mm -hmm. um because I'm uh, when it's so close to a tribal there's no time for for proper confessionals Sure. Um, so I think that was definitely done probably before. But I just, sure. like, I don't know why. I know we need to dissect, like, gameplay here. But I just love the good TV it made. Tanya oh, yeah. Same. to them, walking up to them, putting them in their place, their faces, knowing that she heard everything that they said. I love it. Priceless. I love it. I love it. I was screaming. I'm like, take them out. Good for you. But yes, gaslight-wise, not a good idea. No, this was probably my favorite moment of the episode with my second favorite coming up in Tribal. Oh, boy. So we go to Tribal. And um, Tevin, like uh, I mentioned it earlier, Tevin meant... Um, openly talks about the frustrations of being pre-merge and wanting to like be a part of all of those big post-merge survivor moments. And so that kind of leads into this conversation where Dino, bless his heart, openly <laughs> says that the direction that the vote is going is Tanya. And Nico is then like, well, Tanya, how do you feel about this situation? And Dino's like, and I thought Tanya played this very, very well. She's very self-aware. She knows the position that she's put herself in. <laughs> and so um, they they have this discussion, but then it becomes uh, Tanya versus Pinty, the finale. Um, uh, a a four-part saga uh, yeah. in the finale where they're, they're squabbling. They're doing all the same things. Tanya says that like she's eating too much. And Nico asks 
pint tea if she's eating too much. And she just says, no, turns to the tribe and says, was I eating too much, guys? And everybody was like, do not ask me this question. Like, you do not want the answer. You don't want the answer because secretly I feel like all eight other people maybe agreed with Tanya <laughs> or at least some of them did. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was definitely, uh, I think, I think that's my favorite moment of the week. Yeah, um, that, was, that was my second favorite moment of, of the episode. Was oh, like that's funny. Being like, oh, I think I would say, I, yeah, I think I would say of the week, honestly. I think it's that, the the Tanya shutting down Shona and Teresa, and then my third being Steffi walking on water again. I think that's going to be my three of the oh, week. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to do the top three moments of the week because we have four episodes a week. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I do, I do think that it's, it's just like very interesting to see the polar opposite dynamics of like, Tanya kind of being very self-aware and like how she's being perceived and mm -hmm. Paiti just completely not it like just in that moment of like having absolute like she should have just not asked that question if she yeah. knew the answer but I truly don't think that she knew the answer to that question yeah 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 um yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> but we do get the vote. It's a unanimous vote. Goodbye, Tanya. So, so I, going back to Seamus and the immunity idol, because because he does yes. he does play his idol on himself, which yes. I, was not a surprise I think, no. to anybody because it's a very public idol. He oh, well, and it, it expired at this trial. Oh, did it? Okay, so yeah, yes. I that part. I thought he just flushed it because when he no. picked it up, he said, like, nobody wants a public idol. Like, it just puts a target on your back. So, like, I think everybody kind of knew that he was just going to play it, even if it hadn't been, like, sure. a, 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 like an expired on the first one. Um, theoretically, because I think everybody obviously knew where the vote was going. Um, mm -hmm. If he plays it on uh, Pinty as a show of good faith, do you, I think that, like, Pinty sees it as like an allied move in some way, um, even though he obviously didn't need to do that. Um, do you think that puts a target on Seamus's back of like it just being a very like open move of like trying to gain an ally? Do you think that would theoretically hurt him? Do you think that's why he played it on himself? Absolutely. Uh I Go ahead, Sunday. No, 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 you continue. Oh, I, I was going to say, I think, should he have played it on Pine Tea, given the conversation that happened at camp with Phil and Felix, I think that moves Seamus to number one on the target list because they're already wary of him. And so I think him doing that for Pine Tea, because we don't, we, I don't think anyone really knew where the vote was going to go. I, I don't think these eight people got together and said, we are all voting for Tanya. And so there's a very strong likelihood that there could have been a different outcome. This vote may not have been unanimous. And then those votes actually get nullified. And I think that makes Seamus number one target on everyone's on everyone's list. Yeah, yeah I was... 
while I was watching it, I'm like, oh, and, I'm, and I was thinking, who can Seamus play this for and still get something, gain something out of it? And and also thinking of that option, playing it for, for Pinty and then having an ally, but having someone so controversial as an ally so openly, mm-hmm. flushing it for himself was probably just the easiest. Yeah. And, and made the most sense. Yeah. And then we get a moment. We didn't talk about it before because I wanted to talk about the whole moment here. Shona. Now, (laughs) I was so thrilled when Shona was announced to be on this cast because I loved her on her first season and I thought she was taken out way too early and I thought there was so much potential there. She has the forethought to go, oh, this is my first time going to Tribal. I'm going to make a fake idol plant it at tribal council knowing the history of tribal council idols on survivor south africa and then if i'm in trouble i'm gonna pull it and act like it's real it's a brilliant move i think if i'm gonna do four moments because there's four episodes that's gonna be my fourth yeah For me, I would say that's my third. I would say that all three of my favorite moments come from this season, but only because, like, the walking on water thing, I don't have the... I didn't see that. Sure, sure. But but I, I, like, she... So she gives us that confessional before she goes to tribal. Yeah. And the moment that she walks into tribal, like, like, obviously we've been to tribal two other times before this. Like, Mm -hmm. we've kind of seen what it looks like. But I am, like, actively paying attention to, like, where can she hide this idol when they're in the voting booth and they have those like kind of ropes uh, hanging down i was like it would be so easy to just hide it in the voting booth because i don't think there's ever been an idol hidden in the voting booth so no, she could she could and and it's even it's so much more dramatic if she gets up like well after the votes have been cast walks back into the voting booth just to come out with this mm-hmm. idol like i just think it would be so good but she hides it under the the fire pit uh, the fire pit like she winks at dino like it's it, or not dino um, nico nico thank you and, like it's it's such a good moment like i was like it's it's so good just by the way if um if she was going to put it there where you where you do the voting like, I remember in our season when I walked in there, and I know everyone did this. When you walk in to go vote, you, like, literally look through that whole room. Sure. Oh, really? Someone probably, yeah. Like, I oh, I believe that, there, yeah. Yeah. Where I think the fire is there right in front of everyone. Because also, it's when she goes and gets it there, it could have just been out of her pocket. Like, because mm. voting booth is quite full. Yeah. Or at least yeah. in our season. So I th- yeah. But I mean, her putting it there is just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. I, c- I can't actually get over it. It's, it's, but she is such a fabulous person in any way. And she yeah. hasn't gotten a lot of screen time in this week. But this yeah. is obviously like the quality that matters, not the quantity. Uh, she is, she's like my person to watch. If I had to name one, I, my eyes are on Shona for this coming week because like mm-hmm. if, if she needs, I hope there comes a moment that she needs to use it and it saves her, even though it's fake. Like, like I don't, I don't want her to get blindsided because I yes. want her to have this opportunity mm. to pull it out because that's gonna yeah. make, it's gonna make the whole dynamic so much more interesting. Yo, no, I love it. 
Maybe it's going to make history. I can't wait to see. Yes. Uh, I mean, Survivor South Africa did make history with the Tribal Council Idol. <laughs> and Palesa is on this season. I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I think my moments of the week are going to be Steffi walking on water, the the Tanya moment at camp, the Pinty moment, and Shona at this tribal. It's going to be my. I'm going to say four. Yeah. I'm so for that. Those four actually do. <laughs> Love it. Well, that's that. Two hours of fun. I'm ah. not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> there was a lot to unpack in these two episodes. Mm. There sure was. And that's why we're doing two episodes a week with two episodes that we cover. Because I don't want to stay here for four hours at any given time. As much as I love and appreciate you both, <laughs> I'm tired. So... <laughs> <laughs> I want to get one of these. <laughs> Please. Oh my God. But with that, we are going to sign off for this first week of Survivor South Africa Return of the Outcasts. We will be back with our episode uh, on Thursday, is when our first episode of the week comes out. We'll be talking about episodes five and six. Make sure to check out our review of episodes one and two, as well as our cast assessment, if you want to check that out. I have complete faith Stark and Sunshine will both be back for future episodes. Thank you again for waking up at 5 a.m. or before 5 a.m. to do this with me today. Um, follow them both because they're great. Um, subscribe, like, and share on the way out. And uh, cheers to you all. Thanks so much for having us. Of course, always. Yes. Cheers. Goodbye now. So long, farewell. Goodbye.